Hey Tara, it's Sharon. I'm uh, recording you a voice memo because I have so many thoughts and feelings after listening to the advanced episodes that you've sent. Um... This is Heaven Bent. I'm Tara Jean Stevens. And on this first season three bonus episode, Sharon's reaction after listening to the entire season herself starting with some of the raw voice memo she made for me in her car immediately after she finished the final episode. With David Terry, obviously, you know, I was there, I understood, I lived through it, but we were so removed from that situation because we were children and also because the instruction was given to us to make Amy feel welcome, you know, she's been through a lot. Don't bring it up. Just treat her like any other normal family member. And now as an adult, as a mom, I can't stop thinking about Brenda and all of this and thinking how conflicted she must have felt. I'm sure there was great comfort And hearing us, you know, listen to, I don't know, whatever the hell we were listening to. I think, I feel like Amy was a huge New Kids on the Block fan. And I never really liked him, but I just kind of pretended I did for her. Um, I don't know, just listening to the pop albums and giggling and talking as preteen and young teenage girls do about boys or whatever. Trying new hairstyles. I don't know, everything you do growing up. I can't help but think about Brenda, who's now a single mom. She lived with her parents for a while before she bought a house for her and Amy. But she's at this house with her and Amy, and it's just the two of them. And I can't help but think about her sitting in the living room or in her bedroom or in the kitchen and just listening to us giggle and the music and just what a great comfort it must have been to think Oh, at least Amy is having a normal teenage experience right now. At least Amy is living a... At least she's happy in this moment. She's having a good time. She's not affected really by what's going on or what has happened. But that conflict of the comfort of this moment... And then also knowing that someday Amy will have to deal with this. I'm just still processing it all. And the horror of the crime. The absolute horror of it. I don't think I ever processed. Because. it We didn't talk about it. And. They, they didn't talk about it to us, yes, because we were so young, but also because talking about it kicks the foundation out of much of what we were told to believe in the church. And so if you don't talk about it, then you don't have to deal with the fact that there is no foundation there. Because we were supposed to be able to discern 
the spirits. And we were supposed to be able to almost see things before they happen. And not only did this happen, it happened with the associate bishop. And so while, yes, I knew the details. Okay, so not the details. I knew, I guess, the framework. I knew the framework of the crime. I never was given a space to really consider Mr. Matheny and his family. And so I just have such empathy for them and how essentially from my perspective, from what I can understand, David groomed him, led him like a lamb to the slaughter, acted like he could help him and and did help him. And he believed he was being helped by this pastor. And the whole time he was just like, yeah, that guy could pass for me if he was burned up a little bit and didn't have a head. That guy could pass for me. The whole thing really is shitty. And so, so sad. And I've never sat with these feelings. You'd think I would. I knew the I knew the plot of the story and grew up daily with the family. We didn't talk about it. We weren't given space. More of that voice memo coming up, but after receiving it, I knew right away that Sharon and I needed to connect again to talk some stuff over. So you knew some stuff about David Terry's crime and the trial before you asked me to look into all this for you. What stuff that I brought to the table was new to you that stands out? I didn't know a whole lot about his dad's stuff. And, you know, I have a question for you, actually, which was... Oh, you're turning it around on me now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on your season one, which was about your own journey, um, did you experience what I'm about to explain? Embarrassment? No. <laughs> <laughs> because I, after, before I, because season one was about my own church and right. my own journey, the same right. as season three was about yours. And actually, one of my questions was going to be that for you during this time together. Like, was this embarrassing for you? Because I remember at moment, even though I did it to myself, I remember being at times mortified. No, no, I, I'm not embarrassed at all. For me, um, um, I just want to know if you experienced this. There were so many times where I was like, I don't even know what to do with that piece of information or I can't, I can't process that right now. And it's almost as if the information you had me reading for the first time was standing on the front porch and like ringing the doorbell and knocking. And I was looking through a peephole and I was like, maybe pulling the curtains back. But you had to actually listen to it in order to. Right. To, to let it in and, and understand it, even though it was me sitting there looking at your shared screen, reading these these news articles. So is your question for me, then, did I listen back to season one and have and the same sort of de- like, and f- for example, 
um, I, the, the episode in which you go to the library, hashtag libraries, yay, where <laughs> you go to the library and find. Yeah, that was the final episode of season one when I went mm-hmm. back to Prince Rupert and I went to the library and used the microfish to yes. find the old articles where people had teeth. from my church had said they got the gold teeth. I yes. freaked out. That was one of the best moments yes. of this entire journey for me was that library moment. Yeah. But, but I hear that in my reactions too. So like um, even in the early seasons, not about I mean, not the early seasons, the early episodes about, you know, nine, of, nine of Pierce, I hear myself reading things and just being like, Oh my God, like, Oh my God, this is delicious. You know, like, it's almost like, girl, give me the tea. Like I it's, it's gossipy in nature, but it's an excitement of finding news that I've never seen. It's not me processing that news. Does that make sense? And so hearing the onset of receiving this news, hearing myself do that is, is, is like listening to myself deconstruct. Does that make sense? And I wondered if you had that same experience. Yeah, I think that for me, um, those moments, it was just like being gobsmacked that it was all real, you know, Mm -hmm. that these things that were in my head that I had remembered or heard about as a kid, like when I went to the library and saw that newspaper, it was like, it's real. People really did say this. It really did happen. It wasn't just this nothing moment, you know, that nobody cared about. It showed up in the papers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember during that time, um, we were at a revival in our Franklin, I think, and people were literally in the bathroom after, like, you know, the big, long, like, vanity and rows of mirrors and sinks, and people were checking their teeth in the mirror after church. You know, that's something that we didn't really touch on very much in this season, which maybe was a fail on me, is just really how connected our, our church experiences were in regards to the Toronto Blessing Revival and how it had, you know, spread mm-hmm. and did eventually make its way to churches in smaller town America and to your church, you know, like right. it was all connected. So I, I think you're going to dig this. So I got a couple messages this past season from Christian listeners who felt that in contrast to my first two seasons, that this season, season three, wasn't as respectful to believers. And I want to know what you think about that. But I also just want to say that I did take that to heart. Mm -hmm. I never want to think that I've disrespected anybody. That's not what I'm here to do. However, I'm also not here to pander to Christian beliefs. Mm -hmm. This season, I think, featured a lot of candid moments between the two of us, two former Christians Mm -hmm. who have, you know, deconstructed or, you know, redefined what our spiritual beliefs are dramatically. And, you know, when we were finding such camaraderie between us, I think there was some of those moments of just sheer honesty that rubbed people the wrong way. And I just want to say that I have no regrets in regards to that. And that's at this point anyway. Right. I may listen back in a few years and maybe I'll feel differently about it. I don't have any regrets either. And I'd be interested to know um, what specifically was the moment they were talking about. I I suspect. I think it was when we were. I think it was the moment the one person that, you know, I always write people back, but one person said that it was because we were always laughing. And I thought, okay, okay, well. I don't know what to say about that. Yeah. That we were that I was we were laughing at your religious beliefs. We were laughing at spiritual experience. You you know, we were laughing, but I don't think 
for me, at least it's not laughing at that experience. It's, it's laughing that I've with joy that I've connected with you with somebody else who shares that that's, it's like an inside joke of sorts, but not a joke at the thing, but a joke that we've both come through the thing. Does that make sense? And guess what? That's totally okay. (laughs) That's totally okay. The church is, you know, as much community and healing and support and lifting up that it provides human beings and our families and our friends. Mm -hmm. It is also very harmful and it is okay for people like me and you to question that, to poke fun at it, to poke holes at it. It is not perfect. It's not. It's, it's not. And, and there is just like any, anything like you and I can come away from this conversation and I will think it was about one thing and you might think it's about another. And that happens in church too. You could sit side by side with somebody and they will feel traumatized by what's happening in the church while the other person feels uplifted by it. So it's okay to talk about that. We should. Well, even though I just preached a little, I'm also still just trying to convince myself that this is all okay. (laughs) (laughs) But I do know what you mean about how different people can translate things or experience things in a different way, because, you know, I was raised in the same, you know, sort of like the Toronto blessing coming to my church in Prince Rupert. My siblings were just a few years younger than me. They barely remember it. They don't, they didn't even know what I was talking about. I'm like, you don't remember the gold teeth? No. Well, no wonder you thought you were alone. Yeah, it was crazy because there was so much of that stuff going oh, on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, this the Sunday after that or the Sunday before we were probably talking about the fact that one of the women in the church saw a demon in her backyard when she took the garbage out. Like, correct. Every, you know what I'm talking about? I know. Like, I know exactly. Every, every Sunday there was something supernatural, good and evil was an active part of our lives and conversation. Oh, 100 percent. And that was. Uh, during the time when, you know, this present darkness and piercing the darkness, all of those front. Oh, those books. Yes. And so like it was, I mean, and and that goes into your satanic panic episode, which I'm really glad that you touched on that as well, because I grew up in the middle of that. I remember, you know, being in the car rider line at the elementary school, getting dropped off and I would see like a van, a windowless van and freak out. They're coming for you. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's what it was. Like, I was like, Oh Lord. There's a, there's, they're going to kidnap me for, cause somehow it trickled down even to me as an elementary school child that I needed to be afraid of kidnapping. Now, one thing I got out of Sharon during this postseason chat was that she said she had no regrets about how the season came out. But that being said, she also shared that there is this one moment in the final episode that's kind of bothering her. Thing is, um, I can really and truly sing and sound really good, and that was not a very good excerpt of me singing. When you sang the big old ship, yes, (laughs) big old ship. (laughs) I sing, I sing that around my house all the time. Oh my gosh, I am a legit, I, I am a legit, like classically trained opera singer. You guys, like I can, I can for real sing, and and I was like, oh, I sound like shit there. Oh, damn it. So you do have regrets. That's my only <laughs> one. <laughs>
wait, before I say my last thing, is there anything else that you want to say or share? Yes. Yeah. So here's the thing. I grew up in it and I feel like this season, it deals so much of my time as a child and in my teen years, my early teen years, but I stayed in church, as you mentioned, I mean, I stayed in church until after my kids were born, you know, Brock and I, thank goodness we deconstructed together. Brock, your husband. Yes. I love him. <laughs> Cute. Oh, I love your love. <laughs> I do. I love him. Okay. I'm all giddy. Sorry. I, I do. I, okay. I can't think about him right now. I'll be distracted. So we deconstructed together, but there was a time, I mean, we married in, I was married in 99. Like it took some time to really wrap our head around it. And plus the family was so woven into it. And then we had kids. And so it was, it was a big deal to get to, to leave church. But during those years, as an adult married and a young married, we led youth groups. We planned church camps. I designed every t-shirt for all the church camps. So we were the camp counselors. Like I led worship during the church camps. And so I've, I've been grappling with Oh, I think I know where you're going. That you need to take responsibility yourself oh, for the things yeah. that you're pointing the finger at Correct. to people who are older than you. Yes. Oh, Sharon K. Edwards. Absolutely. Wow. And wow. I had I Brock and I even like we had a phone call with a former camper, and I had shared the pod with him because I know he's unchurched too, or at least he's out of this church. I think he's completely unchurched. I had shared it with him, and he wrote back and he was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm loving this," and he had so much to say. He said can we, can we talk? And I said, sure. And I, I gave him my phone number and he called and I put him on speaker. And so Brock and I both talked and he said, y'all were like the youngest counselors there. Y'all were the young, young newlyweds. And, you know, we had these teen talks, like the young kids would go to bed because at that, when we were leading camp, we didn't have two separate camps the way we did when I was coming up. Cause Emmanuel kept shrinking. We didn't have enough kids to have two weeks of camps. We had one week and like the little kids only went like half the week. Okay. So after the little kids went to bed, we would have like these teen talks later at night. And, you know, he was talking about that purity culture stuff. That you were probably in that moment regurgitating. Correct. Perpetuating. Yes. And, and so we, Brock and I basically, we had just really great conversation with him and I, I, I apologized to him. And did he I mean, ask for an apology or did you oh. just give it? No, he didn't know. I mean, because we he was in it too. It was definitely a moment to, for me to reflect on, oh, all of the, all the things that I kind of feel were traumatic. I also had a hand in perpetuating. Although to my credit, if I can say that, can I say to my credit, I hated the like altar service where they would like pray you in, you know, for hours and hours. I hated it so much as a child that I always made sure to be on stage. And I know that that's like really splitting hairs. That's really splitting hairs. I didn't like actually put my hands and like shake, shake the kids or yell in their ear. But it was easier for you to be on stage and be a facilitator of that than it was to be. Yes. I'm, I was going to say, I was going to say victim. <laughs> that's not yeah. that's, that's the right word, but yeah. like the, the person who all that energy is coming towards. Yeah. Yeah. It, so I was, I was, I was making all the music during the altar service. So that's, 
that's what I did. So I didn't like have my hands on the campers. So I, and I know that that's splitting hairs. It's six, one half dozen, another complicit, but still. One more thing I just want to say is screw you to the pandemic <laughs> because I totally would have come down to Tennessee back during like the initial research period. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about it all the time. Oh, I, like every I two weeks I was like, I'm going to come. They're going to lift the restrictions. I'm going to come to Tennessee. Yes. We could have toured all the spots in Nashville. I still hope to as well. I could have, you know, so what I would want to do is I would want to tour all this place, you know, all the places that we talked about in Nashville. I would want to come to Shelbyville. I would want to get drunk and preach with you and your friends. I also thought that, um, and we've talked about this before, that we would enjoy going to a good old fashioned Southern Pentecostal tent revival. Oh, absolutely. I got all excited because I was on uh, 55 driving to work and there's... This, it looks like it, it was an old church and then it turned into something else. And I don't know what it is now. I don't know what it is, but there's all these tents in the yard. And one was a great big old tent revival tent. And I was like, oh, oh, they have a tent revival. Like it's getting about that time. It's getting about that time. Thank you, Sharon. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up that conversation with him because you were older in the church. You know, sometimes like for me, it's like I was out of there. And so just listening to these episodes, it's just really helping me gain a perspective. So telling you that story as a memory is one experience and it's just telling a memory. But listening to the story and for the first time I put myself in Brenda's shoes and I have such empathy for her how strong how strong she must have been and I've never never considered her before now and I feel so ashamed but listening to your podcast from a from a third party perspective or just as an observer Thank you. That's all I have to say. Thank you for Thank you for doing this. Thank you for helping me. And I really think that in the long run I mean, I think it's going to help my family by extension. They know about this podcast. Okay, that's it. I told you it was big feelings. I did not intend to cry. That just sort of happened. <laughs> all right. Um I'll send this to you and you can do whatever you need to with it. Thanks.